2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to continue looking around heaven this morning, and uh, we're, we're, uh, we've been uh, uh, talking about heaven and, and how God created it, compatible environments going to be compatible to him and his city, and we've been looking at all of that. And I want to start in 2 Timothy 1, and then we're going to work our way into heaven, okay? So, uh, and the reason I'm starting here and we're talking about this is because of what's transpired here the, this last week because of the the mandates and everything that have come down from the government and uh, so forth and 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 everything and just really hopefully I'm speaking to the choir but you never know and and really honestly you, you tend sometimes some of this stuff just tends to get you down this uh, this past week I, I sent the email out to everybody and talking about reading Romans 14. Romans 14 is a tremendous passage of doctrine about really dealing with each other when someone when you have a difference of an opinion about something. You know, some, some in, in Romans 14, some esteem a day, others don't. Well, be fully persuaded in your own mind and let them they do it under the Lord, you do yours under the Lord. Guess who gets the glory? The Lord's doing it. So you, you got that kind of thinking, and, and the goal really is to have peace, especially when we come here. We talked a couple of weeks ago about we're back and, and coming together. When we come here, this ought to be a place of peace and harmony and, and, and protection, if you will, from all that out there. And in 2 Timothy 1, verse number 7, we're just going to start here. I don't want to belabor the point, and if we do, then we'll just do look around heaven next week, okay? But look at verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's a critical verse in your thinking today. And what's happening in, in, in this country, someone asked me about, it said, made a comment to me in, in text and everything about, hey, can you, can you imagine that what we're seeing happening happen in our lifetime? And I said, yes. What's amazing to me is how fast it happened. That's what is amazing to me. Not that it happened, because Paul tells us men are just going to wax worse and worse. It's never going to get better. It's going downhill because of the, of the issue of sin and humanity and everything. It isn't that. It's just how fast it happened. So, And how fast it happened, what does that verse say? That God didn't give us the spirit of what? Fear. Now, fear is an emotion. And it's an emotion that's used by the adversary to stop you, to slow you down, to, to mess with your thinking, to, to mess with you, to, to cause you to get away from who and what you are and what you're to be doing. How do you know that? Well, look back up at verse 6. Wherefore I put thee, Paul talking to Timothy, in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. What's happened to Timothy? He's allowed the spirit of fear to slow him down. The spirit of fear to come in and to mess with him and to get away with him. Verse 15, thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. What do you think Timothy's seeing? He's seeing all of the body of Christ leave the apostle Paul. And the doctrine, and the sound doctrine. He's, he, now, now, could that be depressing? Oh, yeah, it makes what we're thinking about nothing. He sees this. He's at Ephesus, a great church there, and it's beginning to go smaller and smaller and smaller. Why? Because Demas has left me. He's forsaken me. Loving the world. That verse over there, boy, it strikes me. The end here in chapter 4, when he talks about Demas leaving. Uh, I'll give you the verse. Chapter 4, verse 10. For Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. There's a man that Paul said he was vitally important to, my, to the ministry. And you know what he did? He took off loving the world. He said, you know what, that's not over there. I don't get paid enough to go through that mess. I just come over here and live for the world. Go back to chapter 1, verse 7 here. What did God, what did God not give us? The spirit of fear. Fear, that emotion that works. Fear is a great emotion. You're either going to, it's like anger. Usually, by the way, usually fear is anger in disguise. You think you're in fear, but really it's just anger. And, and sometimes fear is in the disguise of anger. 
And when you accurately understand that, you know what, the, what God doesn't give you, the spirit of fear, he's talking about, I didn't give you anything that, that you should have in your thinking, in your emotions, in your will. Remember, when we studied the real you, your emotions are driven and to be operated by your will, by your heart, by your thinking. Usually what happens is, is we let the emotions run everything else. And then we get in trouble. But when your emotions are in line, God says you should not give the sat satanic policy of evil any opportunity to mess with you, to get you off. So you know what I gave you? I gave you the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. I love that sound mind, healthy. You know what that means? That means I'm ticking down through things properly. That means I'm looking at things going, you know what, that, 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 no, this, okay. Come over to Colossians 3. Now, I, I mean, I, folks, I got a list, yay long, about verses and all that. But when you begin to think about the, the spirit of power, I, I, I think about that issue of, of power, the ability to do something, the authority to do something. Who are we? We're the ambassadors of Christ. We have power. We have authority. Now, out in the world out there, they don't look at it that way. They think they can tell us what to do. Okay? And yes, we are to be good citizens. And yes, we are to, to be who we are. But there comes a point in time when you're going to have to say what? <laughs> Enough's enough. We're not. And there is that issue of civil disobedience that can come in and creep in. And I'm not saying we are at that point. But look at how fast we got to this point. There's going to come a point quickly, soon, that preaching this book is going to be trouble. Okay? And when that happens, now what do we do? See? Well, we're, I'm going to sit right here and still do it. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. But the thing is, is then we have to rethink some things. If, if, if you understand what I'm talking about. The spirit of power. Ability. When we take the issue of, of fear and our emotions, and I told you Colossians, right? Look, okay, good, great. Hold on to that. Run over to Romans, Romans 8. Romans 8. When you think about spirit of fear and the spirit of power and the spirit of love and the spirit of a sound mind, you think about, look at Romans 8, verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to what? Fear puts you under bondage. What, was, what is the motivation of the law? Fear. That's what it is. What's the motivation to do? I mean, again, you see it in our culture when you cannot have a conversation with anyone where you oppose their viewpoint. I tried it this week on three different times, three different social media platforms, and in each one I was told to go, you know, and all I was, was one guy's like, well, just wear a mask. I said, I do wear a mask. I'm talking about choice to wear one or not wear one. Well, it's not your choice. You know, and I'm sitting going, wait a minute. We're just having a conversation here. Bondage of what? Fear. Rather, what have we got? But you receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. What do we get? That spirit of adoption down there in verse, uh, the end of verse 23, to wit, the redemption of our body. What do we know? Look, folks, we could walk out, everything that we know, everything that we're comfortable with, everything that we are, have been given to us by the Constitution and our rights and God and all that stuff, and it can be gone in a blip. If you don't believe me, look at how fast it's gone already. But yet, what do we still have? Who we are in Christ. We still have the Word of God. We haven't lost our identity. Come back to Colossians 3. 
the spirit of love. You go over there to 2 Corinthians 5, and that love of Christ constrains us. The proper motivation. So not only do, has he given us the spirit of power and of understanding of who we are in Christ and the ability to go and to do. And you go back, and, and again, I don't want to run a bunch of verses back in Ecclesiastes and everything, but he's given us that ability to have and to do. And then he says, I want you to do it with the proper motivation. And I want you to come and I want you to have that issue of coming and understanding and having the proper motivation for what you're doing. And then he says a sound mind. Healthy, sound, soundness, healthy. Healthy thinking. Thinking down through this. So look at Colossians 3. Colossians 3. You guys follow what we're saying? Your, your emotions get, you got to keep, you know, you, and you, you sometimes, and I, listen, folks, <laughs> my wife told me yesterday, she says, you are not on your phone today at all. I'm like, okay. Because what's on the phone? All the chatter, right? It's on the computer too, but don't tell her that. But it's on the phone because what's the, you got that with you. So it stayed on the nightstand all day yesterday. And then the evening, and I go, look, I have to look at it in case somebody emailed me or something's going on. And nobody emailed me. I know. But boy, the chatterboxes were going nuts. And you know what happens? That creates an unhealthy environment. Okay? But then I got to looking at it, and you know what? Also, at the same time, we shouldn't be silent about it. You follow that? There, there's, a, there's a point of being a good citizen and being in line, but in our laws still, we can still do what? Speak our minds and voice an opposition to it. If, if, do you see that? Can we do a road trip? or a, Come over to Acts. Come back to Acts. You know, I, I was sharing this with the guys on Monday night a couple weeks ago. Look back with me at Acts. I'm going to have to find it here where the, the centurion, uh, where they beat on Paul and he finds out he's a Roman citizen. Oh, where'd that go? Okay. Um, Romans 20, or I'm sorry, Acts 22. Look at Acts 22. I just, Acts 22, look at verse 25. Acts 22, 20, 25. And I go back up, 21. 20. And when the blood of, the, of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. Paul's testimony here, personal testimony before the, the Jews and everything, okay? And he said unto me, depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And they gave him audience unto this world, word, and then, they, then, and then lifted up their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. Does that sound a little familiar about some of the nonsense you hear out there? I think it does. Away from him from the earth. You know what they're saying? Kill him. Kill him. You see all the protests about killing policemen and all that nonsense? Kill him. This is nothing new, folks. So watch Paul. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust in the air, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging that he might know wherewith they cried so against him. They want to find out what, what the uproar is about, so you know what they're going to do? They put him under arrest, and then they beat him. Now watch Paul. Paul didn't just silently sit there and take it. Watch verse 25. And as they bound him with, with, tong with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for a man to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? Not just a Roman, but uncondemned. You see how Paul pulled the law out on him? You know what that tells me? Paul knew what was going on. And he just didn't take it because he was a Christian, and you just got to be a wimp and turn the other cheek. Paul was far from that. By the way, so was your Lord Jesus Christ. 
Don't let him tell you he was some little sissy little thing walking around turning the other cheek. Not at all. He looks down at those guys, he calls them hypocrites and generation of vipers, and he's in their face quite a bit, actually. Verse 26, and when the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. The chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yea. And the chief captain answered with the great sum uh, obtained, I was free, I was, uh, I'm sorry, the chief captain answered, with a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, but I was freeborn. See, the captain said, I had to buy my freedom. Paul says, I'm a citizen by birth. Knock it off. Leave me alone. What are you doing? You're not supposed to do that. You see, he didn't just cower over in the corner. He stood there. He did it respectfully, by the way. If you notice that, I, I dropped it, sorry. You notice that passage there. He did it very respectfully. He didn't pull a, you know, this is my right, right, right. He just said very calmly, very respectfully. By the way, verse 29, then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. On the morrow, because he would have known the certainty whereof he was accused of the Jews, he loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before. Notice they didn't let him go, but they calmed down quick, didn't they? And what did Paul do? Paul said, hang on a minute, come over to Colossians 3. He said, hang on a minute, guys. Now, this is, this is, a, this is Paul the apostle, a member of the body of Christ, one who's telling us, and hey, the first thing we ought to be doing as a local assembly is praying and praying for the magistrates and all the government officials. He sits there and he says, hey, let your speech be seasoned with grace and salt and, and so forth and be, be gentle, be meek, but don't get taken advantage of. I look at that, I go, wow, look at what Paul's saying there. Oh, maybe not. Maybe you see what he's doing. He didn't shut down and just simply crawl over in a corner and say, don't beat me. He said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Before you do, where's the legal? Let's get the legal here involved. See? And again, I'm on a short tail here, curtail, rabbit trail. But see, Paul understood something. As a saint of the Most High God, he also understood the climate in which he was traveling and doing the work of the ministry in. And as an ambassador, he claimed, he knew, the, he knew what was going on in Rome. In a little bit in Acts, he's going to say, I appeal to Caesar. Let's go to the big guy. Because as a Roman, he had that right. And we'll take our chances over there. See? But you know, Paul, I love freedom. Freedom is something that only comes by God's grace. Because it's truly what sets you free. You can live in any kind of governmental structure and be free. Because we understand who we are in Christ. When Paul is standing there, not being silent, but by speaking out and saying, hey, whoa, enough. Again, he doesn't march Put a big thing on TV, or well, they don't have TV, you know. Give it through the pigeons and send it out to all four corners of the earth. He just sits there and says, wait a minute, guys. In his moment, in his situation, think about every time he's in jail. What's he doing in jail? They throw him in prison. He's down there singing Amazing Grace, How Great Thou Art. You know, songs that, you know, I, I listen to us around, well, what do we sing? You ought to be singing because you know some songs. So one day when you're thrown in the hooskow over there in the clink, you got something to sing and say. I always think about that, get thrown in jail. The first thing out of, I'm amazing, great. Don't leave me alone. They'll think I'm nuts, you know. That's a crazy guy down there. <laughs> you better believe it. Here I come. <laughs> you know, because you think about what is he doing? He's down there preaching. Given the gospel, doing. He's not sitting over there going, oh, no, no, no. That's what he says. Hey, in my circumstances, you know what? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Right where I sit. Again, I didn't get the spirit of fear. I got the spirit of what? 
power and of love and of a sound mind. Colossians 3. Look at verse 1. Thinking about this sound mind. Thinking about looking around heaven. That's what we're supposed to be talking about. Okay? Thinking about that. Look at this verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ. Now that if there isn't a maybe or maybe not. Are we going to be risen with Christ? Yes. But because we understand that. Because we understand that we'll be risen with Christ. What are we to be doing? Seek those things which are above, where Christ, is, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now think about that in light of what Paul just did in Acts 22. What kind of man stands up to the Roman government, because he just did, by the way. Yes, he was a Roman. Yes, he was claiming the citizen rights. But he just stood up to the most mighty, powerful empire known to man at that time. And what did he say? No, you can't touch me. How could he do that? What does he know? He knows that his life is hid where? In Christ. You see, he wasn't in a panic-driven, oh my goodness, the sky is falling mode, was he? In Acts 22, he's as clear as crystal on what's going on. He's very aware of the ramifications. Do you know that that chief captain could have said, I didn't know that and beat the tar out of him anyway? You know what the chief captain was worried about? His captain. <laughs> and the guy above him, and Caesar, because of the way the laws were. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand. I would encourage you to think about those things. Have that be what consumes your thinking. I'm as guilty as you. I'm not playing. I'm more holier than you. Like I said, I had three Twitter streams going at one time. I was nailing them. I was using quotes of, of Henry, Patrick Henry, you know, and about not being silent. I had them all strung out, and it was a waste of a day. You know why? Because I didn't convince anybody. All I did was had fun doing it. Stick them, get them, you know. Why? Because that's what that old flesh wants to do, doesn't it? Is it outrageous? I even Twittered to one of the news people because they ran a news story up about how you need to be wearing masks and how masks are, are appropriate and blah, 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 blah. You know what I said? Where's the guy that said, where's the doctor, the expert that says don't wear a mask? You didn't run that one up there, you bunch of hypocrites. Oh, I was in them, man. I get in it just as you, bad as you do. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? Then my wife says, you can't be on there anymore. <laughs> No, what you, you come in here and you go, you know what, what's real? What's really real? This is Father's Day. I'm a dad. Three kids. You know? Do I want them terrified by every little thing that comes down the pike? No, I want them to be standing there as what? As members of the body of Christ in the spirit of what? Power and the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. That's my goal. That's my job as dad. Now, if one of them flips off and flips out and goes and does something, guess what? They chose to do that. I'll love them anyway. I just won't, you know, just have to go deal with it. Paul, right in the middle of it. You and I, we're right in the middle of this. Not doing much looking around heaven, are we? <laughs> but that's what's going on. Listen, folks, the government's going to do what the government does. And by the way, you know why this reaction by our government was? You know where it came from? Fear. That's where it came from. Fear of the unknown. Rather than just stopping and waiting. Seek those things which are what? Above. Now, I'll be honest with you. 
I'll come back to Psalms 48. Let's go run around heaven for a little bit here. Psalms 48. I am more than willing and able and capable of practicing Romans 14 with you if you disagree. That's fine. I'm persuaded in my mind this way. You be persuaded in your way. As I do and teach and think about what's appropriate for us here, I do it to the Lord. He's my judge. You do yours to you. Go right ahead. That's fine. Okay? You say, yeah, but Rick, we know that. That's fine. I'm not arguing. Well, you don't think the virus is deadly. Yes, I do. Think, what kind of a moronic statement is that? Sorry. But I believe in choice. I believe that we have a, should have the ability to make a choice. One, we can choose to be silent. That's okay. Or two, we can choose to be heard. But if we're going to be heard, then let's do it as the servants of the Lord. Let's do it as ambassadors for Christ. What does this world need? Me to be on TV stopping up and down yelling about injustice or to hear that Christ died for their sins? Which one? How about the gospel? See, let's figure that out. Okay? Now, Psalms 48. Let's get off of all that. I got 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. <laughs> let's go look around heaven, okay? I say that because, again, I'm as impacted by it as you guys are, okay? And the first trigger point for me isn't to go to the social media. It's to come here to the Word of God. Now, I dropped the ball the other day when I spent all that time on social media. I know it. I beat myself up about it, okay? So it just means I'm just like you guys, okay? But when you think about what Scripture says and what the Apostle Paul says and does, I don't think we should be silent about things. I think the worst thing you can say is you ought to go kill a group of people, whoever the group of people are. I think it's ridiculous. Why? Thou shalt not kill. How about that? See? But then we've got to work it out. Do you follow that? So if I upset you, I apologize. If I offended you, I apologize. It's not my goal. But it's just something that came up this week, and I've spent too much time on it already, okay? Psalms 48. Notice a passage here. Let's go look around heaven. Let's go take a walkabout. Uh, again, we've already seen uh, the, the city, New Jerusalem. We've seen that God has created the universe as a place for him to come and to dwell in. So the environment is going to be, be that, and where he can come and live with his creation. Psalms 48, verse 12. Walk about Zion. Go around about her. Tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces, that ye may tell it to the generation following. Notice what, what he says there. Hey, let's go walk around Zion. Let's go walk around the country. Let's go walk around the city. Tell, tell uh, the, the towers thereof. That word tell, that's like the teller. What does the teller at the bank do? Counts, right? Go count the buildings. Go see how they are. Go look at the bulwarks. Go look at the palaces. Notice that's plural, by the way, more than one. Go over there and look around. Let's, so let's go look around and see the country. Let's go see the city. Come over with me to Revelation 21. And, and when you do that, go and be familiar with it. Why? Well, for, in Psalms, for David and, and the Israel, they're going to spend eternity there. But guess what? So are we. We're there, absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And that's what we've been talking about when you die and you go to heaven. And, and I'll be honest with you. You know what, motive, what runs me when all this stuff going on we were talking about a few minutes ago? is this stuff right here. I told you it, may, it gets you excited. It does me. Revelation 21. Okay? Revelation 21. Did I, are the papers right? You guys, I don't even know. I printed them out and off they go. Okay. Revelation 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down 
from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of the heavens saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. The city of God has come down. It's where he dwells. It's where the, the saints are as, as we wait for resurrection, the rapture event to happen. And he says, here, look at it. Let's look at this city. Look at what's going on. Verse 11, having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and a gate, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Notice, it's got a wall. The city has a wall around it. It's got gates. Do you understand a gate, the, the, the way into the city? You know, you think about the castles in the old England, and they got that moat around them, and they lower the drawbridge down. And what do you do? You go in the gate, and they yell, close the gate, open the gate, close the gate. All the gates, you're very familiar. So what you're going to see in heaven, you're going to have a correspondence here on the earth. You've got walls, you've got gates, verse 14, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the land. You got foundations. You need a foundation for that city to sit on. That's why we looked last time at, in, in, in Job there, and he laid the beams down, and he did this, and he drew the lines, and he marks them. Verse 18, and the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like unto, crisp, uh, unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third, uh, whatever that, how, Chaldarian, and the fourth an emerald, and the fifth a sardux, and the, and the sixth a sardis, and the seventh a crystallite, the, the, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth, and the, uh, the eleventh, and the twelfth. All of those things are twelve stones. Notice the stones. Rock formations on the, in heaven correspond down here to the what? To the earth as well. All of those stones are found, by the way, here on the earth. So you've got to have a who? You've got to have a geologist, don't you? You've got to have Keith or Rick, who love rocks, go out there doing what? Digging up the rocks, looking. Verse 21 and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every, every several gate was one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. Notice that. Gold, pure gold. You know what you have to have to have pure gold? A mining operation. You've got to have mines out there. You've got to have the whole process. Think about that. Go down, get the gold out, and process it through. Transport it in. Get it to the worker so the worker can make it. Then he's got a pearl. What, what is a pearl? Where does a pearl come from? comes from an oyster. Who gets the oyster out of the water? A fisherman does. So now you got a fishing industry going on in heaven. you got the same down here. By the way, it's one pearl. That's a big oyster, baby. <laughs> That's a big pearl. You see, so you got that going on. 22, chapter 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. you got a river that's going to run through it. By the way, if you look back up there in, in the passage, in the section we just read in verse 21, you got glass, clear glass. Glass takes a glass cutter, takes, takes, a, takes a workman to work. Chapter 22, verse 2, in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of what? Fruit. And yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Notice, notice that fruit trees are growing. So now you got some horticulture, you got some farming going on. You got fruit trees. You know, they got to be harvested and taken care of. You're in Revelation, come back to chapter 7. Revelation 7. See, folks, when we think about heaven, 
heaven's environment has been copied down here on the earth environment. So I, when we seek those things which are above and we set our affections there, man, you start thinking about this. This old crummy world goes away quickly. And if it doesn't, it ought to for a degree. Now, I don't go stick your head in the sand and don't know what's going on around you. But it doesn't need to consume you. Chapter 7 of Revelation. You with me? All right, 7. Chapter 7, verse 9. Look at the end of that verse. Clothed with white robes and what? Palms in their hand. Drop down to verse. So there's the palms. Where do palms come from? Palm trees. So you got fruit trees. You got palm trees, right? Verse 19, I'm sorry, verse 17. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away fountains of water, artesian wells. Have you ever been, seen one of those before? Where the water just comes up out of the earth, no pump needed. And it's cold, clean, clear, good, just ooh. When growing up in the in Chicago, they have forest preserves throughout the throughout the city, so that you under, so that the city people know what a tree and grass look like. I guess I don't know. We used to go down through them. We had to cut through them, but they had a pump, and one of them that could pump the water up out of the river that the 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 the, the, the Splains River that ran by there, and oh, so clear and good. Boy, you go up and fill up a jug and just, but no pump. This stuff's just coming up out of the water, out of the ground. Come over to chapter 2 of Revelation. Back to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to what? Eat of the tree of life. See, they're eating the fruit tree down there, the tree of life. They're, they're consuming it. It's paradise. Paradise in Scripture is usually associated with a garden. And it's a garden that's got fruit trees in it. Come back to Revelation 22. And it's got fountains. It's got a river running through it. It's got all of this environment over here that you see in heaven. And you know what? It was duplicated right down here on the earth. So the environments are... When Paul says, whether I was caught up into the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Why? Because the environments are the same. Just one is under the bondage of sin. Romans 1, Romans 8, and the other one is not. <laughs> Heaven's glory. Revelation 22, verse number 3, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. Notice the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb. The throne room. So come back to Revelation 4. So let's look at the throne room for a minute. Because, by the way, notice it's throne room. There's rooms. Do we know what a room is? This is a, this is a room. There's a room. There's a room. There's a room. Go next door. We got all these rooms. Ver terminology. Same thing. Same environment. Revelation 4 and 5. John is caught up into the throne room of God. There's something there in Revelation 20, 22 over there. so wonderful because it's the throne room of God and the throne room of the, of the Lamb. And in that new heaven and new earth out there, and we get off in the dispensation, the fullness of times we were looking at the other day, we get up in there. You know who becomes exalted? The Godhead becomes exalted. Right now, it's the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the Godhead bodily. But out there in the future, the whole triune Godhead gets the glory and the honor at the same time. Revelation 4, you start in verse number 4, and round about the throne were four and twenty elders, twenty seats. What's a seat? The chair, right? You got seats. We have pews in here, but you think about a seat. You got furniture, right? And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out 
of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. No, notice the description. Notice all the stuff. You've got seats. You've got white raiments. We'll see in a minute in the linen. They've got crowns on their heads, authority. There's lightnings and thunderings. Do we know what that is? We know what that is. You think about the lightning and thundering we see in the monsoons and in the storms and stuff. You've got lamps of fire burning, you know, tiki lamps set up all over the place. Okay. Verse 6, and before the throne... There was a sea of glass like unto crystal. Look at that, glass. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. The first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, the third like a, had the face of a man, and the fourth was like a... Do, do we know what a lion and a calf and a man and an eagle look like? Yeah, we have them here. They're there. By the way, there are horses in heaven. Over there in Revelation 19, the Lord comes back on what color horse? Thank you, a white horse. Come on back to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 2. There's horses. There's angelic host. 2 Kings chapter 2, you have Elijah. Great passage here, 2 Kings 2. Verse 11, and it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind unto heaven and Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof and he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. What does Elisha see Elijah go up on? A chariot of what? Fire. It's a chariot. It's got the form and shape of a chariot. Its composition, though, is of what? Fire. Horses with the fleshes of fire. Think about a horse. Come on over to chapter 6 of 2 Kings. Here you got Elisha. <clears throat> 2 Kings 6, he's at Dothan, and they're fighting. In verse 17, 2 Kings 6, 17, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes. And that's his, his, uh, his, his servant that's with him. And the Lord opened his eyes, and the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Elisha says, we got God on our side. He's got a hedge of protection around us. Ain't nobody touching us. And the guy goes, yeah, right. He goes, Lord, open his eyes. And what does he see? All of that spiritual realm. Now you think about what it is required to take care of horses. A little feed. A little, uh, uh, you got to have the barn then, don't you? Who built the barn? Well, God did. Come on. Who built the barn? Man did. Creation's going to. He did. We have it down here. You got to take care of. And the question is, is will there be uh, leftover stuff that comes out of the horse? You know, well, you know, they eat. <laughs> You know, it's gonna, something's going to come out. I don't quite know, <laughs> okay? You know, the manure part. You guys looking at me funny. Come on now, <laughs> okay? Think about a chariot. What happens when the wheel breaks? What do you got to have? You got to have somebody that's a mechanic that can go over there and jack that bad boy up and replace it and work, tinker with it and mess with it, keep it glued and keep it, keep it maintenanced, Okay? Come back over to Hebrews chapter 11. On your way, get Psalm 78. We're going to go quickly here. You see, folks, when you look around that city and you begin to see the things that are detailed in that city, and I know when we read that stuff in Revelation and everything, we go, oh, wow, it's going to be so beautiful. But the point isn't to say it's so beautiful. The point is for you and I to understand that in creation, the first thing God, the reason why God created creation, the universe, was so that he could come and live with it, so he makes the environment the same. Why in the world would he make the environment something that he's not familiar with? So here we got it. 
You guys that like to tinker on stuff, Ray was talking about killing some old, getting rid of some old uh, leftover wood and, what, and building birdhouses. Look, if you look at the back door, what I did back there, you don't want me building your birdhouse. It'll leak. It won't even go up straight. It'll hang crooked. The bird will go. Rick made it and keep going. But he has that ability to do that. Guess what? He'll have that same ability over here in the heaven to do the same thing. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go look at the countryside. Hebrews 11 and Psalm 78. You're right. Hebrews 11. Start there in verse 14. Just see what, just hang. <coughs> Hebrews 11, verse 14. For they, talking about Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and the believers, they say such things, declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But they desire a what? A better country, what is that? That is a heavenly. So let's go around the countryside, if you will. Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verse 22 to 24, 25. Psalm 78, 22, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and rained down manna upon them to eat, talking about Israel, and given them of the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. Now, it's interesting. Corn of heaven, okay? Now, corn in your Bible has a, carries a lot of different meanings. It's not just the corn stalk that we think about in the kernels. But rather, it's just what he said there in verse 25, meat to the full. Corn, it, it, talking about the meat. But notice it's the corn of heaven, and it's called angel's food. Now, the only angel's food I know is that angel's food cake stuff. That's pretty good. <laughs> so if that's what manna tasted like, I don't know what their problem was, you know. A little strawberry on it and a little blueberry, and we're good to go. See, the, pro- the thing is, is what does corn of heaven imply? Farming. we got to have some farming going on. And again, think about when you think about a farming operation, think about all the systems involved in that. Now, let me ask you something. Would it be easy for God to just say, do it and it's done? But that's not why he created it. He created it so that you and I would go out there and do the farming, how? Willingly. Wanting to be doing it. It's the best job you've ever had. Joyfully. Delighting in what he delights in. Think about the process. By the way, it's angels' food. Who was doing it at the time were the angels. They're doing the farming at this time when he feeds Israel the manna. You go over there to Revelation 15, verse 6. Go back there quickly. Revelation 15, verse 6. Revelation 15, 6. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed and pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. Metalwork, breastplates. But notice it's white linen. You look over there in chapter 19, verse 4, the angels are clothed again over there with white linen. Where does linen come from? It comes from a flax plant. So now you got to have more farming going on. Not only do you got the guys growing the food part, now you got guys over here just growing the linen plants and the textile industry gets started. And again, think about cotton. I do. You see it. You go down south, you see it everywhere. And what is, you got a whole process to that, don't you? You got to go in and you got to harvest it. By the way, there will be no thorns and thistles and weeds and all that, okay? In heaven, it won't be the same here on the earth. So, but what do you have? You got all of that to do. All of that harvesting process. Come back with me to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Paul said there in 2 Corinthians 12, he was caught up to paradise. That garden, that countryside. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Isaiah 14, and then let me get Ezekiel 28. 
When you think about the, the hillside and the country, some people can't live in the country. They don't like it. It's too dark. It's too quiet. They have to have the city rumbling, grumbling, going, okay? So you know what? If you like the city life, guess where you're going to be living? In the city. If you like the country life, you guys out there with the pigs and the cows and all that, and all that stuff, guess where you're going to be living? In the country part. And you're going to say, yeah, but Rick, what about? You know what? This is the same stuff that's going to be for you and I in the heavenly places. Because it's the environment, it's conducive, we're just going to be in that spiritual realm. Remember, we looked at that stuff, visible and invisible. That's where we're at. When God's throne room comes and sits and his city sits on this earth, earth is populated, is ready to go, you and I are doing the same things up there as we are down here. So when we talk about doing the business of heaven, the business of heaven, one of it is farming. Some of it is mining. Some of it is this, is that. It's all of these things have to be done. And you say, well, but what about, you know, there is no sin and there is no... Yeah, but still it's got to be done and maintained and kept up. Look at Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, verse 13. Lucifer, they're, actually, they're mocking Lucifer as he's thrown into the lake of fire. And they say, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. There's a mountain that t carries the title of the congregation of the north that sits in the north section of our universe out there in, those he in, the, in, the, in, the, in the second heaven. And you know what? It's one day going to be resident here on the earth when he brings his city down and sits it. It's in that Lebanon area up north there. Now come over. Hold on to Isaiah 14 and come over to Ezekiel 28. What I want you to see is there's a mountain. There's mountains. Ezekiel 28 verse 14. In the description here of Lucifer. So this is before he falls. He's in the Eden of Gar Garden of Eden verse 13. By the way, all of those all of that gemology there, same thing listed in Revelation 22, verse 14, Thou art anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of stones of fire. Look at that. The holy mountain of God, where God sits to review and have an accounting, the mountain of the congregation of the north, where God sits to be, to sits to not only review the activity of the angelic host, that's where Job was, when Job won there, when he says that they call them all together for an accounting, and Satan comes, and he says, where you been, Satan? He goes, I've been walking around up and down to and fro in earth. That's not in the third heaven. Satan would never be allowed in the third heaven. He's allowed where? In the second heaven. That's in that mountain, the congregation of the north. There's a mountain there. Then there's a mountain of the holy God, a holy mountain of God here. And Ezekiel 28 that Satan was covering over, that's where God comes to be worshipped. There's mountains. Isaiah 14. Look at Ezekiel 1. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 1. Isaiah 14, 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. So there's clouds. They're there. Same, same idea, same principle as what you and I see out there on a cloudy day. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 4. And I looked and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north. Isn't that interesting? A great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and the brightness was upon it, and out of the midst thereof, the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Water, rainbows, verse 27, 127, Ezekiel 127. And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about it, from the appearance of his loins even upward and the appearance of his loins even downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and it had the brightness round about it as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness round about. That was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. See, that rainbow is alike the appearance of what? The glory of the Lord. There's no small reason why the rainbow has been co-opted by sinful man. 
Because what does Romans 1 say they're doing? They're changing the glory of God into corruptible man. And put it all the way down there till he's out the door. It's fascinating what's happening. By the way, stones of fire. Back over there in Ezekiel 28. Genesis 19, verse 24 on your list there, says brimstone. Do you know what brimstone is on the earth? Sulfur. Ever, have you ever smelled sulfur? Not lately, I hope. It's, a, it's, a, it's pretty odor, isn't it? What do you think that brimstone, that lake of fire, is going to smell like? Tulips. Lavender. <laughs> no. I'm going to curl your nose back. Like the sewer, exactly. Now, Hebrews 8, we've got to do this and we'll, we'll be done looking around and we can move on. Hebrews 8. Get Hebrews 8 and then Exodus 30 and Revelation 8 and we'll be done. Get Hebrews 8. I apologize for taking so much time of that for about the earlier stuff. But I'll tell you what, folks, you be thinking, you spend time thinking about this and that spirit of fear stuff goes away. Because you know what you set your affections on? Things above. You want to stay your mind? You want to calm your mind? You, you know what I did that day I wasted spending in, you know what stopped me? You know what did it? Other than Linda saying enough. <laughs> well, somebody texted me. One of you texted me. And I had to go think about the verse you texted me about. Gone. Quit. And I spent the next two hours reading some verses. Actually, it wasn't a text. It was a phone call. It got me out of that stupor of, oh, you know what did it? Looking at a verse. Thinking about a verse. So I thank him that called me because it helped me. Helped him too, but it helped me. Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8 verse 1. Notice carefully. Now the things which we have spoken, this is a sum. We have such a high priest who is set at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary and of the, notice, true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not men. Now watch verse 5. Who served unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for see, saith he, that thou makest all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. So when Moses, come back to Exodus 30, gives the decree to make the tabernacle, it is a shadow of heavenly things. It is a pattern of the true up there. So when man, when Israel was familiar with the tabernacle and those events, they would then be familiar with what? The city of God. Okay? Now look at Exodus 30 and verse 22. Exodus 30, verse 22. Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thee also unto thee three uh, principal spices of pure, and then you see those spices listed in verse 23, 24, okay? It ends there, and of, all, uh, of oil, olive, uh, a hind. Now watch verse 25. Thou shalt make it a holy, an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of, um, uh, uh, thank you, it shall be a holy anointing oil. What you are reading in verse 23-24 is the recipe for the incense that was to be burned in the tabernacle. Verse 34. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices. And you see how he lists them there? Down to verse 37. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall make not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. So now you got some spices, the incense. Okay? Now, come back to Revelation chapter 8. Moses was given a shadow of the heavenly. He laid it out. That's why I've told you time and time and again, you take the dimensions of the tabernacle and you lay them out and you multiply them and you work that math out and you literally see the dimensions of the universe. They're right there for you. Revelation 8. Now watch this for you. Revelation 8, 2. And I saw the seven angels 
which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. <clears throat> and another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much, what? Incense, that he should offer it and the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which were before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints and ascended up before God. You see that incense there? The recipe that he gave Moses in Exodus 30 is the same recipe that the angels make here and do the little incense thing in the heaven. Same recipe. Okay? They're identical. So now the question, come on over to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. Okay? So what's heaven going to be like? Just like here. Just without the bondage of corruption. The sin curse is removed. The lion will lay down with the lamb. The elephant with the mouse. The cat with the dog. However, you know, whatever else you can come up with. Why? Because that curse is removed. Now look at Ephesians 3, because the issue, the question that always comes up about heaven is the issue about time. Now time is a natural part of our existence, because it's a part of our experiences, okay? Some of you are wishing the time was up and Rick would be quiet, okay? No. no. Uh, some are like, yes. <laughs> All right. Time and experiences go together. Now, time can be defined very simply as well as very complex. Depends on what you're doing and what you're looking at. I'm a keep it simple, stupid kind of guy. So the simple definition of time is time is what takes us from one event to another event to another event, the succession of events. This morning... When the alarm went off till we go lay our head down is, is, is a time. One event to the next to the... Now, time does exist in God's presence. And it is a part of eternity. So when, you de when you're dead, absent from the body, and present with the Lord, time is still being experienced. The difference is, without the bondage, it says it's 12.15, you need to stop. Somebody the other day ran that clock ahead five minutes. Dastardly dudes. I will find you. Okay? See, time, time, right now it's a bondage thing. We got to go. We got stuff to do. Come on, come on, come on. But in the presence of God, it's got a different thing. Look at Ephesians 3, look at verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, notice, world without end. Now Paul is talking about eternity. Do you know what eternity is? World without end. It's going to go on and on. But do you see that thing right before that of the issue of ages? Throughout all ages. Age is a span of time. It's marked by events, but notice it's ages. So we go through this time. You remember I told you the dispensation of the fullness of times was about roughly 33,000 years. Okay, we did that. Yes, thank you. At least somebody was paying attention. Okay? What, what happens? There's things that are going to happen in that span of time. Then we start the next stage. And then we start the next stage. If you come back to chapter 2 of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ. Think about that. Ages to come. We get up in the heavenly places. We're in our positions. We're doing everything we're doing. And he says, okay, guys, you're good? We're good. That's great. That looks like it's exceeding rich. Woohoo! 
of your grace. Now let's go do it over here, but we're going to just do it a little better. And it's going to be a little grander. And it's going to be more and more and more. You see, time has come over to chapter 5 of Ephesians. Time has been corrupted. And what we experience right now is the bondage of time. And in heaven, when we get there, time is going to function in accordance with the eternal purpose of God and its intended purpose, which is to move things from one event to the next. In Ephesians 5, verse 15, when you think about time, this verse to me always comes into play, these verses. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as what? Wise. Don't walk in the spirit of fear. Walk in the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Why? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You see, right now, our job is to redeem the time, to bring God honor and glory. So heaven's a wonderful place. We looked around it real quickly, by the way, okay? You see all of that. You say, yeah, but Rick, that's up there. Yeah, but it's also down here. The ground, I can understand. I can make the connections. So when Paul says, in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, he moved from one environment into the heavenly environment, never noticed the difference. It was paradise. It was the third heaven. Now, next week, we're going to go up there and say, well, do you know anybody? Do you see someone you know? And we'll look at that, okay? Because there are going to be us. up. There There are going to be people. And you need to see that, okay? All right, dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your son. We thank you for the opportunity to redeem the time. We thank you for the opportunity to be your ambassador, to be able to have an influence on the world about us in a positive manner, to be able to look at the heaven and to say, that's where we want to go. And to say, as Paul did, to, to, to depart and to be with Christ is far better, but right now it's necessary that we be here and carry on the work of the ministry. And we do all of that for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand and sing 666.